covet your prayers today as I share with you a message the Lord has laid on my heart. Early in the week with time to prepare, it seemed like preparing wouldn't come. Weakened in the flesh and more strong in the spirit than I thought I was, God directed me in the direction of Hebrews, the 12th chapter. And I began to see a message there that I believe is so important for us to hear today and God wants me to share it with you. So if you'll please turn to the book of Hebrews, the 12th chapter, I want to read the first two verses as we think about a cloud of witnesses. Certainly we will know that that points toward Jesus and many others and even maybe some of you today. So would you please stand for the reading of God's word? Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2, and and Paul says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking into Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. May God add his blessings to those special words today. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for being able to listen again to what you said a long time ago that means so much even yet to us today as Paul penned some words that would cause us to look at our lives, to to receive a challenge that we might understand that in order to have the results of salvation, we need to meet the condition of repentance. And Lord, just help us to come to that point in the service today, whether we be already saved by your grace and need to be closer to you, whether, Lord, that maybe someone here is not a Christian yet, that the repentant heart cry needs to be heard. Lord, help us all to be reconciled to your will and that today will be that special because we said yes to a love that will never turn us loose. Guide us, O God, in this time of worship. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Maybe seated. I want to put forth a riddle to you today. The Bible has riddles in it, by the way, and if you want to read one of them, Proverbs 30, verse 4, and it talks a little bit on the line that I want to share with you. But what is greater than God, more evil than the devil, the poor have it and the rich need it, and if you eat it, you'll die. What is greater than God, more evil than Satan, the poor have it, the rich need it, and if you eat it, you will die. You may have allowed your mind to be distracted from what would be maybe the obvious answer. But the obvious answer is simply nothing. Nothing is greater than God. Nothing is more evil than Satan. Nothing, nothing at all. Sometimes the poor doesn't have anything much. The rich doesn't need any more. And if you eat nothing, no food at all, you will die. And you can read a riddle in Proverbs in the 30th chapter, verse 4. He talks about who can ascend or descend into heaven? Who has gathered the wings in his fist? And who has uh, bound the waters in a garment? Established the ends of the earth. What is his name and what is his son's name? you know the answer is God. And so as we look this morning at being a cloud of being a part of the cloud of witness that God has in mind for us, we need to ask God to 
look at our lives and permit the examination that he might want to take to see if we are standing where we need to stand or doing what we need to do or saying what we need to say. It's so obvious in the Bible that being a good witness for God was such a positive directive for the lives of those that were allowing God to be all that he wanted to be in their lives. And as we think about, you know, life has some hindering things that will cause us to keep us from, rather, resisting sin. And as uh, we realize that God's call is the perseverance of our lives, that we need to the keep on keeping on type thing, that we need to ask God to help us in the patience and in the spiritual progress that we need to be making. And there is a big word, spiritual progress. If you are not progressing in the spiritual sense of your life, then you are not allowing God to be all the strength he can be in your life. And you have not reached the point of God's deliverance from the things that can hinder you. And sin will get in the way and your life will not be full of the joy that you know that God has promised. The heading in my Bible I noticed as I read this week, it says exhortation. Pretty good sized word. But as we look at the word exhortation, it, Paul used it and, and God is using it here that he would make a plea to you and to I that we would be able to want to realize that the race of life needs to be run with God's on our right side with our hand in his and the total answer of it all is repentance. And I'm not just talking about the lost soul. I'm talking about you and I as God's people. We need to repent. No, I'm not talking about receiving salvation again. We're sealed by the, with the promise of God and sealed with the covenant of Jesus Christ who he made possible at Calvary. And we can understand that yet though we have been saved by God's grace, Sometimes the powers of Satan can get us strangled and tripping in the wrong direction and we can find ourselves in need of the repentance that God wants us to have. As we look in the Bible, we can see examples of God's love and you know the greatest witness of all as we put Jesus at the head of the cloud of witnesses that we have found in the Bible many places where Jesus was the witnesses of God's power from heaven that he knew that the Father would relate to him what he knew and he would know what the Father knew, he says. And he would re relay that to others. He was exhortated. <laughs> he was exhorted by God in, to, in order to put this in place in his life. And the Bible is full of some of the greatest witnesses we can read about. And I, I love to read them. Uh, as people like Elijah. I, I love the story of Elijah. He is my man. Uh, he was a person whom God had used in dramatic ways. He was the person who God gave the power. It wasn't his alone, but it was related through him that the, during the famine that would come about, that there would no rain fall on the earth for three years, Elijah's faith brought that about and he could preach it because he knew it from the bottom of his heart and God had said it. You know, sometimes we say, how do we know? I know how you can know because God has said it. And if you wonder what God has said, then get in the word and listen to him say it. I think that's exactly where we need to be. And Elijah was a person who, he got kindly beside himself and he had to get away. And God, it's just me and I feel like I just need to die. Well, to start with, Elijah didn't even die, actually. God took him in a whirlwind, you know how that story goes. But nonetheless, when Elijah was, was feeling like he was done with due... 
And God directed him over to a little river by this little creek, Shereba uh, or something, I don't know how to say it. But it did not only provided him there with fresh water, but also with food that the ravens would feed him. I'm not sure how hungry I would feel if a bird brought food to me to eat. But it was sufficient for Elijah. The strength of God would come with the tiny bits of food that he would provide. And I believe that it is so with you and I today that with the tiny bits of food that God will provide for your life and the strength you need in your life, it will be sufficient. And if you've come today to do anything more or less than to worship God and to feed upon his word and to listen to him, relate to your heart the desire of his, then we're ready to worship. And by the way, it's hot in here. By the way, I feel like pausing in the service right now. I want to give a security check. I'm afraid there are hindering causes in the service today that would cause the will of God to not happen. Maybe it's in your life. Maybe it's in the life of someone else. And I want us to just to pause right now that we might be able to, in a silent prayer, lay aside everything that might hinder us from having a time of worship with God. It's important, my friends. I am serious as I can be. And no seriouser than God is, for he is more. And that is the fact that we need to get things out of the way in order to worship. And I want to ask you, would you bow with me for just a moment? As each head is bowed and we silently seek God. As we realize, yes, we could have walked through the doors, got past the security check, and had found that there's still something that should have set it off. Something that should have caused us for not being able to enter in the, the house of God. But we are here. And God is still here. And God will help us to rid our lives of that that might be unnecessary for this time of worship. Oh God, we humbly bow before you this morning. Seeking, Lord, your guidance. And I know, Lord, that things can get in the way. That we can have our minds obscured by other thoughts. And I just ask your Father, Lord, that you would just help us to look beyond them, to rise above them, to get ourselves into the presence of Almighty God that you and you alone might be heard. Thank you, God, for the security check you've allowed us to have. In your precious name we pray. Amen. We've come into his house. We've gathered in his name to worship God. Nothing else. Nothing more, nothing less, but to worship God. You know, I've experienced the mercy of God this week. I really have. And I have shed a tear on Psalms 46. God is my refuge. I've had sad thoughts. I thought about Psalms 23. The Lord was my shepherd. I know he was. And yet sometimes the weakness of the flesh can cause us to fall out of the shelter of God's arms and feel there's more. There's surely more. I have discovered through the physical ailments of this old earthen body that that surely doesn't begin to be what life is all about. 
Life is about Jesus. It's about not our weakness, but our strength. Not that it comes through our own selves, but through God. And the strength of God will overcome the weaknesses of man and cause us to rise above that feeling that we may have. I, this week, have been been involved in the engrafted Word of God. And I want to bring you there today. I want to bring you to the point that we can literally feel the engrafted Word of God, James says. That we can feel like that in order for us to meet the, to, to, to experience the results of God, we need to meet the condition that God has for us in order for us to find the spiritual realms of our existence. We need to ask God to help us. And friends, I want to share something personal with you too. I cannot, can never, or will ever be able to take you spiritually where I have not been. I've been there this week and I want to take you there. That's the desires of my heart today. As we listen to God's word, David would say, yes, but as the heart paineth after the water brook, so paineth after I thee, O God. Do you have that desire in your heart today? Do you want God more than anything else? We need to ask God to help us with that desire. As powerful and as great and as good and as marvelous as God is, Did you know that he will back away and allow your unwillingness to be the top thought of the day? He will back away. Young people, I want to urge you that you let God be the part of your leading that will take you by the hand and keep you close enough that you can hear him. Nothing else, my friends, young or old alike, will hold life together like the glues of God of the Holy Spirit that's made a promise. Because we need to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who didn't think it robbery to become as man and to even go to the cross that we could have the hope that we can have in our hearts and that we too could be a part of the cloud of witness. Back to Elijah. I like Elijah. I really do. I and I don't. I probably haven't told you, but back in 2008, I had the privilege <laughs> of going to the Holy Land. Let me say it real quick before you stop me. But I stood at the foot of the statue of Elijah, was able to open up the Bible and read some of the story of that guy. You talk about an overwhelmed feeling as I would read a little and look up at a statue that must have been 20 feet tall. And I thought about all the things that Elijah Elijah was able to do and be, and not only in his life, which was some 900 years before Jesus was born, but he rides across the bridge of the old and the new into the new and became the John the Baptist of the New Testament. The Elijah would come, and we know that that speaks of John the Baptist, as was prophesied so many years before. And the copy, by the way, of the prescription that you need for life has been processed, has been printed. And for your vessel of sanctification, you can find those, those guidelines in the Bible. There's 1,189 chapters. There's 66 books. And they all have something to say to you every day of your life. And it'll bring cure to your heart, spiritual alignment to your soul, and you'll find Jesus is more important to you than he's ever been in your life if you put yourselves where you need to be. Elijah.
Oh, Elijah. You know, he came upon the woman. Her and her son, there was a famine. And the rain had stopped. Elijah, through God's power, had stopped the rain. But the woman was sitting, fixing the last little bit of meal and with water for the last meal of her and her son. They would eat and die. It's the way it was. They were in starvation. Jesus, uh, Elijah came along. I want to say Jesus, but he does this too. But Elijah came along and he said to the woman, I want you to uh, fix me something to eat. And I'm sure she thought, hey, wait a minute. We've just got a little bit, Elijah, and we need to eat that before we starve to death. And so, being a person who believed in God, the woman did as she had been told. And she fixed him something to eat. And he said, now, my fair lady, however he may have said it, the barrel of meal will not waste away until the famine is over. A promise that he made. You want to read that story in First Kings 17th chapter. It's a beautiful story to read. But as we think about Elijah's life and as it would unfold and become such a part of the cloud of witnesses that the Bible has recorded for us to read, we can see there that as, uh, as his life would near the end, he had a, 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 a fellow servant, someone that walked beside him, and uh, that was Elisha, almost Elijah. Sometimes they get them mixed up, but that was Elisha. Elisha was a man who stuck to uh, Elijah like, like everything. He was right there at all the time, seeing all of the miracles that he was able to wrought through the powers of God and was a person who realized that here is a witness of Almighty God. And Elijah said to Elisha one day, Elisha, I'm about to leave here. And I want to ask you, if you had one wish, if you had one desire, what would you ask of God? And Elisha looked at Elijah right in the face, I'm sure, and said, Elijah, I want to tell you what I wish. I want to tell you what I like, what I would like. I would like to have a double portion of your spirit. And Elijah said, well then, Elisha, that's yours if you'll be with me when I'm taken away. Well, Elisha stuck to him like glue. And sure enough, one day, there by the river Jordan, Elisha looked and Elijah began to rise. And there it was, a chariot of fire. There it was, the angel of God. And Elijah gathered in with the angels and Elisha hollered out, Elijah! When all of a sudden, the garment, the cloak or the coat or whatever it might have been, fell off of Elijah. And Elisha reached out and grabbed that thing. You know what the first thing Elisha did when he got that? <laughs> he walked up to the edge of the river. <laughs> yeah, he sure did. The powers of God was so prevalent that day and he reached that garment out over the waters or touched the waters and the waters divided. Well, I guess he thought by now, this is the witness I want to know and follow. I don't know about you, but I know of people in my life that have been such a great witness. Some of you are sitting here today, if not most of you. But I can go back in my earlier days of childhood and Little Clifty Baptist Church and when we were just kids hearing the the bell rang and hearing my little brother say, we better hurry up. The church bell's ringing. We're going to be late. But you know, when I was a kid, I really thought God lived down there at Little Clifty Baptist Church. I thought that was his house. I wasn't too far wrong. And I believe God lives here. 
I believe God lives in his tabernacle of worship, his church designated for a time of lifting up praise to his name. That's his desire, to have these places of worship. And the Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as some do and is, but ask God to give you direction. Well, story after story stands out, but I want to talk about one more person. Just a little boy. And he was a little boy who was in the right crowd following the right people who followed Jesus. And that little boy was a boy who had thought to brought his lunch that day. And as they were standing there by the river and the day was getting long and about to be sundown, I guess, and Jesus told the disciples to uh, fix something to eat. Let's, let's feed the folks. Nothing was surely enough sufficient to do that. One of them said, there's a little boy here with a, his bagged lunch. What was it, five loaves and three fishes or vice versa? I get it mixed up, but he had some lunch. Okay, two loaves of bread and five fishes, was that it? Anyway, he had his lunch. And uh, he said, but that's not very much to feed 5,000 people. But Jesus said, just, just get the little boy's lunch. Brought it to Jesus and he lifts it up. I can, just, I can literally see Jesus take this little bag or sack, whatever it was. He may have opened it up a little and lifted it up toward heaven and asked God to bless it. And they began to feed the people. When they had gotten done feeding, there was still food left. All because, now listen children, you don't have to be 74 years old to be a witness for Jesus. This little boy was just much of a witness as Elijah himself because he was willing to give what he had and to share it with someone else. Be ready to share your lunch, your life, your thoughts, your love with someone else. Jesus will bless it and you will find this that a little is a lot in the hands of the Lord. Let him use you, will you? He's just waiting to put you to work for him. Isaiah 40 puts it so well in 40, uh, verse 31. They that uh, wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They mount up like wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. If, if Isaiah wants to say, if we put our trust totally in Almighty God. I don't know what your need is today. I really don't. But I know one thing God does. And Psalm, the psalmist David said, Blessed is the man and woman or the child that's found doing God's will. Does he find you doing God's will today? What does God want you to do today that you can't do tomorrow? You may want to figure and see and ask and pray that God will give you that direction today. I want to ask you if you would, bow with us in a word of prayer. Lord, we've come now to the invitation time. A time, Lord, that we can all answer the question, who are you? Who do you want to be? Have we allowed you to be all you want to in our lives? What, Lord, is the Next move in this service today, is it my move? Is it someone's move to make before it's too late? Father, Lord, we just pray 
that this part of the service, the special part, your part, Lord, the invitation time, will be met with the desires of every heart to say yes to you. Guide us now, Lord, as we continue. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen.